Uh, we are in Genesis chapter 12. If you have a Bible and you want to follow along in your Bible, you can do that. Uh, the scripture will also be up on the screen as we continue our journey through Genesis. I've been thinking about promises. Yesterday, my wife and I celebrated our 33rd wedding anniversary. And can I just say I'm not old enough to have a third? <laughs> I, I guess I am. Um, but anyway, you know, marriages are founded on promises. You start in that uh, wedding ceremony, you make those vows, those are promises to each other and to God. And promise is a key thread in the passage we're going to be looking at today. Let me ask you a question. Do you suppose it's possible for a promise that was made a long time ago, like 4,000 years ago, is it possible for a promise that's 4,000 years old to have anything to do with your life and your happiness today? The answer is yes. Well, says who? Says who? Well, says God. It says God in his word, says God in the book of Genesis, throughout the rest of the Bible, says Jesus and his apostles. And we are going to look at that. Uh, the answer is yes, because this promise that God made to a man named Abram some 4,000 years ago is actually one of the most significant moments in all history. How significant? Well, the New Testament claims that one of the primary reasons Jesus came into this world, okay, how significant is that? One of the primary reasons Jesus came into this world was to fulfill this promise that God made. So this is significant. And I want to begin just by taking a look at the promise. Uh, we'll start in verses 1 through 4, and then we'll, uh, we'll go on from there. But let's start here. Genesis 12. Check this out. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you... All the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot, that's his nephew, went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So there it is. You see the promise that God makes. And notice the significance of that word bless, how that keeps showing up. Bless, bless, bless. God promises to bless this man, to bless his descendants, <laughs> And through them, ultimately, to bless the whole world. Well, what does that mean? Bless. You want to be blessed? I think most of us do, even if we're not sure exactly what that means. It's not really a word we use in everyday uh, experience very much, except when someone sneezes. But if you understand, if you understand what the Bible means by bless you might just come to realize that to be blessed by God is the greatest thing you could ever experience. 
What does it mean to be blessed by God? Well, we've gotten a little bit of a glimpse already as we've started through Genesis. We saw God at the very beginning blessing his creation, creating man in his image, male and female, and blessing them. And then even after mankind fell into sin, even after the worldwide judgment of the flood, God again speaks words of blessing. And here now, blessing takes the form of a promise. And so we are going to watch as this promise unfolds, as God uh, fulfills his promise to Abram and his descendants. We are going to see more and more what blessing is. But in a nutshell, let me put it like this. God blesses people by doing good to them, by delivering them from harm, and by being with them no matter what. Richard, could you put that up on the screen there? It's not coming up? Okay, well. All right, well, here it is again. Let me just say it. God blesses his people by God blesses people by doing good to them by delivering them from harm and then f- listen to this last part especially by being with them no matter what by being with them no matter what and it's especially that last part that we want to really think about because you know that God's presence is what you ultimately were made to enjoy God's presence, and that it's God's presence that we most need for lasting happiness and satisfaction. And I'm just going to take a guess that, that God's blessing is something that you are interested in because you're here today. And if you weren't interested in God's blessing, you'd probably be doing something else right now. The question is, how do we experience it? How do we experience God's blessing? I mean, if God wants to bless, and we want to be blessed, what is the connection? What's the connection? Well, let me give you the short answer. The short answer is faith. Faith is the connection between our desire to be blessed and God's desire to be blessed, or God's desire to bless. It's by faith, that is, it's by believing God's promises, taking Him at His word, that we get connected to his blessing. And we see that in Abram's example, okay? In fact, the Bible holds Abram up. By the way, he's later called Abraham, if you're wondering. Um, The Bible holds Abram up as an example of somebody who had faith, who believed God, who took him at his word, and was blessed as a result. Okay, so Hebrews 11.8. By faith... Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So, uh, by faith, Abram does that. God makes a promise. He then uh, responds to that promise. That's faith, okay? Hebrews 11.6 says this, without faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because whoever comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And then maybe the most famous verse of all, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever 
believes, whoever has faith in him, will not perish, but have eternal life. So we see it again and again. Faith is taking God at his word. Faith is the link between God's desire to bless and our desire to be blessed. Okay, you see that? Faith, it's the link. Many of you probably know that. But, but did you know there's something even more important than faith to experiencing God's blessing? It's true. We need to go on further in this story because faith, as important as it is, is not the main focus of this story about God and about his promise to bless ultimately all the families of the world. And we really need to get this because it is so easy to get our focus on the wrong thing. It's so easy to focus on faith and get preoccupied with faith and get disturbed about faith, because if you find yourself focusing on your faith, you might very well find yourself doing this. You might be concerned. You might be wondering, well, is my faith strong enough? Is it too weak? Do I have enough faith? And that ends up distracting us and getting us to focus on the wrong thing, and it's not good for us. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because when you think about your faith, when you examine your faith, you're concerned. Because you feel like it just doesn't measure up. You know you don't measure up. You know you're imperfect. You struggle with how far, far short you fall from God's standards. And, you know, if somebody would say, well, do you trust God enough? How do you answer yes to that? And so you think, well, I know I don't trust God as much as I should. And it worries you. And some of you, let's just be honest, it overwhelms you at times. You know faith is crucial. The Bible says it is. But your faith seems lame. <laughs> some of you are nodding and smiling. I know some of you feel this. And if you've ever, if you've ever been here, if you've ever been to this place where it's just like, I know I'm supposed to trust God, I know I'm supposed to have faith, but it's just so weak, uh, I just, I don't have enough. If you've ever been there and have been tempted to despair, I want you to listen because I think I've got, well, no, I don't think it, I know it. I've got really good news for you today. Okay, And it's not from me. Ultimately, it's from God, and I think it's the point here in Genesis 12. There is something even more crucial than faith to experiencing God's blessing. You know what it is? It's God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness is more important to your experiencing of God to your experience of God's blessing than your own faith. I'm not going to diminish faith, but what I want us to see, what I hope you will see with me, is that you and I need to get a whole lot more preoccupied with God's faithfulness and a lot less preoccupied with our faith. Okay, I think that's what Genesis 12 is teaching, and I want to show you this. Okay, so here, 
Here's the question I want to deal with. Why God's faithfulness is more important than your faith. Okay, two reasons. First one, God's faithfulness is more important than your faith because God's faithfulness initiates. That is, God's faithfulness takes the initiative. Faith responds. And the initiative is more important than the response. God's faithfulness initiates. Faith is a response, and the initiative is more important than the response. All right, let's pick it up. We're going to pick it up in verse 5. So we saw the promise. We saw Abram moved out. Okay, pick it up, verse 5. Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. So what modern-day Israel. When they came to the land of Canaan... Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he, Abram, built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on still going toward the Negev. All right, we want to see here that Abram definitely has faith, and his faith is impressive. And it's important to see here that this shows us that faith is more than just acknowledging that what God says is true. I think this is important because I think there are many people who are a bit confused about what faith really is. Uh, a lot of people seem to think that faith is simply having accurate beliefs. So they, they believe that Jesus is God's son. They believe that he died on the cross. They believe that he rose from the dead. Their, their beliefs about these things are accurate. They're consistent with what the Bible teaches. And that's good. But that is not what Scripture means by faith. It's part of it. But real faith is more than agreeing with what God has said. Faith is putting your confidence in what God has said and actually acting upon it. So I've used this illustration many times, but here's a chair. You know, do I believe this chair will hold me up? Well, yeah, I do. Intellectually, I believe that's true. Am I exercising faith now? No. Because I'm, I'm saying it's, yeah, I believe it, but it's not faith until I sit in it. Whew, it still works. Good. So faith is putting your confidence in what God said and acting upon it. And Abram did that. And it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, he packs his household up. God makes his promise to him and says, go to the land I'm going to show you. And he does that. And he moves over 700 miles. This is before planes, trains, and automobiles. I mean, this is just packing up everything and going. He's never been there before. And he goes because God told him to. And then when he gets there, he says, I'm going to give this land to your offspring. Do you know how many offspring Abram's got at this point? Zero. You know how old he is? It tells us. 75. And yet God says, I'm going to give this land to your offspring. And Abram goes, yeah. 
And he responds with worship. He builds altars and he calls on the name of the Lord. So he acts upon what God is saying. It's, it's cool. It's an example of real faith. Okay, but here's the critical thing. Did you notice what Abram did to deserve what God did? Did you notice? Did you see what Abram did to deserve God communicating to him and making these promises to him? Did you see it? No, you didn't because it's not there. He does nothing to deserve this. God is the one who takes the initiative. God begins to work out this plan to bless Abram and his descendants and ultimately through them the whole world. And God is the one who makes it happen by giving this command and these incredible promises. Yes, Abram believes. But think about it. You can't believe a promise unless there's a promise to believe. You can't trust God to do something unless God says he'll do something. And he didn't have to make this promise. He chose to make this promise. And that's consistent with God's nature. It is God's nature to do good. To take the initiative to bless. God takes the initiative. God makes the first move. You know, it's just like at creation. What do we see? God speaks and things happen. You know, so this is a picture, this is a picture to us of God reaching down to man. This is not man reaching up to God. This is what the Bible calls grace. Okay, this is grace. Undeserved, unmerited kindness. And this is why you and I can experience God's blessing. Okay, Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Now see, there is faith. There's the channel. But the blessing, the, the salvation that God gives, look at the next part. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. God taking the initiative. Okay, so I'm not demeaning Abram's faith. It's important. But I want you to see the emphasis here. The emphasis here is mainly on what God says. It's not primarily on what Abram does. Okay, and that's going to become even more clear as we go on. And suddenly Abram's faith starts to look a whole lot less impressive. Okay, the thing to see, it's God's faithfulness that initiates. That's why we can respond in the first place. I mean, what is the Christian message? The Christian message is that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Jesus came, he said, to seek and save the lost. The lost weren't looking for him. They were lost. We're lost. And he takes the initiative. He pursues. He seeks. And we respond. So, Our response is important, but God's initiative is even more important. That's why God's faithfulness is even more important than our faith. Okay, that's one reason. Now, here's the other reason. 
The second reason why God's faithfulness is more important than our faith is because God's faithfulness continues even when our faith falters. God's faithfulness continues even when our, his faithfulness continues even when our faith falters. Okay, so rest of the story, uh, chapter 12, verse 10. Now, there was a famine in the land, Canaan, modern-day Israel. So Abram went down to Egypt. For the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. So say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, sure enough, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he, Pharaoh, dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep and oxen and male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister? So that I took her for my wife. Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot went with him into the Negev. Now Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. And he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at first, and Abram called upon the name of the Lord. (laughs) What happened to his faith? What happened? He seemed to be doing so well. I mean, he moved 700 miles because God said so. We're all cool. What a guy. I don't even know if I can do that. That's amazing. What faith? Well, what's going on now? Did Abram forget the promise? You know, God had said, Abram, I'll bless those who bless you. You know, whoever mistreats you, I will curse. Basically saying, Abram, don't worry. I've got your back. I'm going to take care of you. What happened? He became afraid. Isn't this what fear does? See, apparently up to this point, you know, just moving 700 miles across the desert, that, that didn't phase him too much. That didn't push Abram's fear button. You know, we've all got different fear buttons. I don't know what yours are. They might be different from mine, but we've all got them. And whatever punches your fear button, whatever makes us afraid, makes it very difficult for us to trust God and act on his promises. And that's what going down to Egypt apparently did for Abram. Because he's afraid, his faith falters. And he lies. And he allows his wife to be taken into the palace of Pharaoh to become part of his harem. And do you see what a big problem this is? Yeah, oh, yeah it's the, the marriage is a big problem, right? This thing's, it's a big problem. But it's even bigger than that. What was God's promise? 
God promised to make him a great nation and bless the whole world through him. And it all hinges on Abram and Sarai having children together. And now they're not together. And she's about to become the wife of the king of Egypt. This is bad, folks. This is really bad. I mean, within one chapter, we have seen this amazing promise from God, and we've seen this guy, this man take great steps of faith, and now we're watching him completely choke. And he's putting the whole thing at risk. Abram, the example of faith, is now an example of the exact opposite. Unbelief. He's not trusting God to be with him. He's not trusting God to take care of him. He's not trusting God to bless him. And what does God do? He blesses him anyway. Did you know God does that? Did you know God will bless even when we don't deserve it? Why? Because his faithfulness is more important than our faith. Abram's faith may have faltered, but God's promise never faltered. He intervened. He kept Pharaoh from Sarai by somehow putting some kind of disease on him or something, and somehow he finds out that Sarai is actually Abram's wife. I don't know if she finally fessed up or what happened, but he finds out. Now, the point here is not that Abram deserved protecting. He didn't. He didn't deserve it. The point is God can fulfill his promises no matter what people do. Our failures... Our failures do not stand in the way of God's success. Not only does Abram get Sarai back, he gets all kinds of livestock and servants and other wealth. Now, let's be careful. We don't draw the wrong conclusion here. Okay? God's not blessing him because of his faith. God is not blessing him because of his faith. God is blessing him in spite of his lack of faith. So the lesson here is not, I hasten to make this clear, the lesson is not, well, yeah, I can just live any old way I want and God's still going to enrich my life. No, no. The lesson is that God keeps his word even when we don't keep ours. His faithfulness is more important than our faith. Boy, I don't know about you, but that's a huge relief to me. Because I want to experience God's blessing. I want to know that He is with me. I want to know that I am His. I want to know that he will take care of me. I want to know that he will ultimately bring me into his presence. But I blow it at times. 
And so do you. We all have occasions when we let our fears or our foolishness, our selfishness, get in the way of trusting God and acting on what He says and doing what He says. Well, what then? Do we just forfeit God's blessing at that point? No. No. If we belong to Him, if we have placed our lives into Jesus' hands, if we have put our hope in His promise, then He will be faithful to complete and fulfill His promise. Even if our faith falters. Look at John 6.37. Jesus said, All that the Father gives me will come to me. Question, have you come to Jesus? Have you actually come to Him? You can if you want to. Come to Him. Come to Him. Say, save me, rescue me. I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your righteousness. I need your promise. I need you with me. I need all that you have said you will do. I need you. Come to Jesus. Have you come to Him? All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Ever. That's a promise. That is a promise, and He always keeps His promises. That's what faithfulness means. Keeping promises. God took the initiative to make promises, God will keep every promise he's ever made. Okay, so, back up. If you want to experience God's blessing, what should you do? Well, you should realize that God has taken the initiative, and you should respond to his initiative if you haven't. God's word says, well, we saw it in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. Okay, here in 1 John 5.11, this is the testimony God gave us. There's the initiative. God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Eternal life, that means relationship with the God who is eternal now and forever. So 1 John 5.11, this is the testimony. God gave us eternal life. This life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So you see, a life of being blessed by God begins when we respond to His initiative in giving us life in His Son. We respond and we receive the Son. So that's where it starts. And then we continue to experience his blessing as we continue to trust him and we live the way he's instructed us to live. Okay, just like he told Abram, all right? He's told us. He's told us how to live. Okay, but what happens if you fail to trust him? What happens if you fail... What if you give in to fear? What if you give in to selfishness? What if you're just stupid and your faith falters? What then? Here's what's then. He will keep His promise. He will be faithful to all His promises. 
Now, that's not, a, that's not saying he's going to shield us from all the negative consequences of disobedience. I mean, he gave us his instructions for our own good. And when we, we don't follow those instructions, you know, bad stuff happens. But he made this promise. Hebrews 13, 5. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Hear that? Never. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So, here's the bottom line. Okay, Take the whole thing and just boil it down to the bottom line. Here it is. Don't focus on your faith. Focus on his faithfulness. That's the bottom line. Don't focus on your faith. Focus on his faithfulness. Now, here's what's so cool about this. This is a paradox. You know what happens as you focus on his faithfulness? Your faith grows. As you focus on his faithfulness, your faith grows. Faith doesn't grow by focusing on faith. Faith grows as you focus on God and his faithfulness. That's because faith is trusting a person. Now, if you have a relationship with a person, how good is it, how helpful is it to be all preoccupied with yourself? Does that help the relationship? Does that make it stronger? Not a bit. See, self-preoccupation hurts relationships. What makes the relationship stronger? Focusing on the other. Focusing on the other. And this is true in our relationship with God. Don't focus on yourself. Don't focus on your faith. Focus on Him. Because faith ultimately is a relationship with God. And it grows as we are preoccupied with Him and not preoccupied with ourselves. He has made wonderful promises. Yes, believe those promises. Trust those promises. Act on those promises. But be preoccupied with Him and His promises. Don't be preoccupied with how strong your faith is in His promises. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? Okay, I understand what I'm saying. It's just doing it that's the challenge. May we become so preoccupied with Jesus Christ. May we become so preoccupied with His faithfulness that we're not worrying so much about how strong my faith is and comparing my faith to other people and comparing... You know, how God's blessing me with others. Just focus on him and his faithfulness. That's what we need to do. Okay, let's pray together. And I just want to invite you, if you have not yet responded to his initiative, today would be a great day to do that. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. I don't know how it could be any clearer. And if you want the Son in your life, ask him. Come to him and tell him you need him. You want what he alone can give you, life, now and forever. Blessing, his presence with you. Just ask him. And if you, like me, struggle at times feeling like your faith is lame, I mean, I could just encourage you and let's pray and encourage one another to get our focus on the right thing. Not on ourselves, not on our faith or lack of it, but on God because He is faithful.
Father, we come before you. Lord, we don't deserve all these great promises you've made. There's not a thing we've done to put you in our debt. But God, you and your great love have taken all the initiative. You made this promise and you have been bringing it to fulfillment and, and through your son, you are blessing all the peoples of the earth. And your son is going to come and your kingdom is going to come and your blessing is going to be experienced beyond anything we've ever known. Lord, will you help us be preoccupied with you and with what you want us to do because you are the one who blesses. May we be hungry and thirsty for your blessing and come to you for it. Father, we thank you. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.